Today, we are going to conclude our series uh, messages that we've been going through on the songs of Christmas. And the, the series is entitled Christmas Playlist. And we've been looking at words of different Christmas carols and the meaning behind them. And today we're going to be talking about the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. How many of you have heard that song before? It's uh, it, probably not as well known as a lot of the other ones that we've done. But I want to share with you in a moment uh, the story of the writer of the song. Uh, he's very, very famous. You all know his name. I guarantee everybody here knows his name, unless you're very young. But he's not famous for writing songs. He's not famous for writing hymns. Uh, I'm talking about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. We're going to talk about him because he's the one that wrote the words to this song. So would you bow your head and just ask the Lord's help today? Lord, we come into your presence. And we thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you, Lord, as we celebrate the reality that you came into this world, that you became one of us, that you said human is that being a human is so powerful, so wonderful that you became one of us and that you expressed your love for us and you saved us through this whole process. And God, I pray that as we look in your word, as we hear from you today, as we celebrate this Christmas, I pray, God, that we would be uh, aware of your nearness to us, God, because there's such power in your presence. And we give you praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of you, everybody here that's that's been in school a little long, you know of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. You know his most well-known poem, of course, is The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. How many of you had to uh, uh, read that? Or some of you maybe had to memorize it when you were in school. Uh, but uh, the thing is, we all know he's a very famous man. He experienced a lot of great success as a writer. But what you may not know about him is that he also knew great sorrow. His first wife, Mary, died when they were both very young after only four years of marriage. A few years later, he married a woman named Frances, and together they began a family. One evening, Frances was trimming her daughter's hair, and she decided to save the clippings of the curls in an envelope as a keepsake, as many of us do, especially with early haircuts. And and she was... Uh, putting it in the envelope. And now you understand, they didn't have self-sealing envelopes. They didn't have them where you could lick them. If they had an envelope they wanted to seal, they used wax to seal the envelope. And so she uh, began to, um, she was melting the sealing wax to secure the envelope. And as she did, a few drops unnoticed fell upon her dress and the hot wax ignited her entire, uh, her dress. And soon her entire dress was in flames. And Henry Wadsworth Longfellow tried uh, uh, frantically to smother the fire with a throw rug. And when that didn't work, he tried to put it out with his bare hands. But the sad reality was he was not able to save his wife. Frances Longfellow died the next morning. She was only 44 years of age. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was, of course, devastated. And just a few years later, during the height of the great civil war that gripped our nation, Longfellow's oldest son, Charles, joined the army without his father's blessing. And soon he became a lieutenant. Well, during the Battle of New Hope Church, Virginia, Charles was severely wounded. The bullet hit him in the left shoulder, then cut across his body and exited it out his right side. He was alive, but he was clinging to life very tenuously. And Henry was called to come to the hospital in Washington, D.C. The good thing was that he was going to survive, but eventually he was told to take Charles home to complete his recovery. And it was going to be a long hard recovery and he would never be the same. 
Now, the fact that our nation was at war with itself already burdened Longfellow's spirit. And he, he simply wanted his nation to be at peace. And, and between the war and all the personal tragedies of his wives, both wives dying and his son suffering this, he, 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 the truth is he never really re- quite recovered from the loss of his first wife and certainly not from the loss of his second wife, Frances. And now here's his son, wounded in a battle by a fellow American facing a long recovery. And, in, and, and as Christmas 1863 arrived, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow found himself overcome with despair. He sat at his desk that morning to write. And at that moment, the bells at the church nearby began to ring. It was Christmas Day. He began to think about what the bells meant Hearing them chime actually began a process of healing for Henry. As he listened, he thought about how the message of Christmas speaks to the mess this world has become. And the first verse begins, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to, to men. Now, you, you may recognize that that last line actually comes from the message proclaimed by the, to the shepherds, by the angels, as they watched, as the shepherds watched their, uh, their flocks on that first Christmas night. Luke chapter two, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest on earth, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Well, today I, w- I want to pa- follow the path of Henry's, uh, Longfellow's thinking. And <laughs> the first thing I want you to see is that there's something about the Christmas season that causes a stirring of hope within us. You know, in December, we have this, expectation that our lives should be like a Norman Rockwell painting. And some of you that are young, you may not even know what a Norman Rockwell painting is, but those that have been around a while, you know what I'm talking about? They're all pictures. The paintings he did were all very nostalgic and they were scenes that that brought warmth to your heart. And we have this idea that our life should be like a Norman Rockwell painting. And and we want to take the best of our memories and and then we want to take the, the most unforgettable scenes from our favorite holiday films. Everybody, how many of you have a favorite Christmas movie you like to watch? And we like to take those scenes in our life and we blend them together with an expectation for a future that's more promising than today. And, 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 and the truth is we just want to know that everything is going to be all right. The Christmas messages, as well as the cultural Christmas traditions that we observe, inspires a sense of hope and a sense of longing, hoping for something greater and longing for something better. There's something about the Christmas season that causes us to consider how good life could be. As Henry Wadsworth Longfellow heard those bells that Christmas day, he he couldn't help but think this is what life should be like. Peace, goodwill on earth for everyone. This longing never left him. Even more than a decade after the war, he wrote this in his journal. He wrote, I have only one desire, and that is for harmony and a frank and honest understanding between North and South. And today, you know, as each new day in our world seems to outdo the one before in terms of disturbing developments and horrifying headlines and terrible tragedies, we find ourselves in our lives today drawn to this idea of peace on a more personal level. We look around at the details of our lives and we see that so many 
things are, are and our lives are out of whack. You see that your family is broken. Your finances are in disarray and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Your relationships are a mess. Your health is failing. You're, you feel as if you're losing hope and it seems as if your faith is, is waning. And, and life is just a constant battle for you. And I want you to hear me loud and clear today. We were not made to live in constant conflict. God desires peace for his people. God desires peace for you. This hope is embedded in our spirit. This hope is embedded in the story and the events of Christmas. That he came to bring peace, goodwill to men. But on the heels of this longing for peace and hope, the problem is that we then must face the despair of reality. This is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. And, and that's certainly how it's marketed, you know. And, and, uh, and to be honest, I suppose that most of the time it is a wonderful time for most people, at least. But the truth is there are also times when the Christmas season, and, and we've all experienced this, when the Christmas season brings us face to face with sorrow and with hopelessness. There are times when all the tinsel and garlands and decorations and trees and gifts and parties and activities just can't disguise the despair we see at work all around us. Longfellow wrote about that. He said this in the second verse, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Comes a time. Let's not pretend this doesn't happen. There there comes a time when the circumstances of life sometimes make us wonder, is this all just a joke? Is this Jesus thing really just a myth that we've been fooled into believing? The heartbreaks of life have a way of taunting us in life's darkest moments. Where is the peace that was promised? Where is the hope and the joy and the victory? There's something about the Christmas season that makes hard times seem even more difficult to bear. The loss of a loved one, the ending of a relationship, financial struggles, health challenges, family issues. These all weigh heavy on our minds during these so-called festivities. And our temptation in those moments is to try to pretend our problems are not there. Maybe sprinkle a little garland on them, dress them up, put some Christmas lights on them and ignore them until January when the bill actually comes due. Sadness or sorrow or depression or heartache or discouragement can't be swept under the rug or placed on the back burner. It must be dealt with head on, one on one, face to face, because we cannot pretend that, that, that our problems are not there because there's no healing in that approach. You know, a year after the year was after the war was over, Longfellow wrote a letter to his close friend Henry Ingersoll Bowditch. And his, his friend's son had died in a battle during the Civil War. And he he wrote this to him. He said, The death of the young men in the war makes my heart bleed whenever I think of it. How much I have felt for you, particularly on that cold December night when I came back with my son and saw you at the station and knew that yours would come back to you no more. There's another verse in Longfellow's original poem that isn't included in the song books today. See, he wrote it as a poem that later was put to music. It was not a song originally, but, but when they put the words to the music 
Often they leave out this verse because it speaks specifically of the Civil War situation, and so it doesn't really fit in well with the Christmas season, so to speak. Uh, but uh, this is what he wrote. He said, Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So he wasn't trying to pretend that there weren't issues. He wasn't trying to pretend there was no war, there was no death, there was no sorrow. That means that Christmas is a time for honest appraisal. Where, where are you? Where are you going? What's your life all about? What do, you, what do you really believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ? I guess you could say, as some have put it, that it's a come-to-Jesus meeting. Ever had a come-to-Jesus meeting with someone where we just get serious, we're going to be real, we're going to be honest, we're going to lay it out there, and it's probably not going to be very comfortable in that situation, but, but it's, that, it, it, it's that time where you pour out your heart and you hold nothing back. And I want you to know today, if you're hurting, if you're going through this Christmas season and you're saying, where is the peace? Where is the joy? Where is all of this? Where is Jesus in the midst of my sorrow? I want you to know it's okay to say to him, Lord, I, 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 this is what you promised, but I'm just not really seeing it right now. Lord, I don't get it. I'm hurting right now. It's okay to be honest. He's not afraid of your honesty. He's not afraid of your anger. How many of you ever had your children get angry at you. Said, if you have it, then you're not parenting right. <laughs> Can I tell you? Isn't that the truth? Because when you tell your, your children no from time to time, they may get angry. But you tell them no because you know something they don't know. You see something you, they don't see. You understand the ramifications of what they may want to do. There is always something behind the scenes that your child doesn't understand. And you say no and they get angry. But in that moment, let me ask you this. Uh, just take a brief survey. Is there anybody here when your child get angry at you that you rejected them, kicked them out of the family and said, I don't ever, I don't ever want to see you again because they were angry at you? Yeah, maybe you felt like it. And Jason's back saying, this close. <laughs> no, you didn't do that. Because as a parent, you know, they just don't understand. And so you just deal with it and you love them and you see them through it. And then pretty soon they roll around and they, they make up when they get hungry. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> Can I get an Amen. I'm here to tell you it's okay to be honest with the Lord. It's okay to, to say to him, God, I'm hurting. And I'm kind of angry. And I don't get it. And he's not going to reject you. He's not going to push you away. He's not going to say, all right, that's it. You're out of the family. He's going to say, I know. I see what's going on. Just you have to trust me. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you through. This face-to-face -face confrontation with reality led Longfellow into the final stanza of his poem. Because when we pour out our hearts to God, when we're honest, when we have that come to Jesus moment, then we experience the prevailing of peace. Listen to this last verse. This is my favorite verse of the whole song. I love, I think these words are so powerful. In response to what he said, all the darkness that he's reported, all the sorrow and the death and all the things involved in the Civil War, this is what he wrote. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
This is the power of that come to Jesus moment. He hears with, with Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, you look at his life and, and nothing had changed outwardly for, for him after he had written this final verse. His life and the world around him was still very much in turmoil. He still had to deal with the loss of his loved ones. He had, still had to deal with the wounded uh, son and the, and the, the recovery he was going to deal with. He, nothing in around him had changed whatsoever. However, he had changed. His perspective had changed. His understanding of tomorrow had changed. His understanding of this moment had changed. His outlook had changed. Hope had revived. Peace had come. It was J. Oswald Sanders who once said this. Peace isn't merely the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. I think that's so powerful. Peace is not merely the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. And maybe you've had that moment where everything seems to be going as it should. And, you know, your bills are all caught up and you're actually ahead of the schedule. The bills are paid. You got a little left over. The, your, your team is in the playoffs. Your kids brought home a good report card. The economy is booming. The headlines aren't all that bad that day. And everything seems to be going as it should, except for one thing. Something is just not right. You're troubled in your spirit. You have this nagging sense of dread. Relationships have become unnecessarily complicated and optimism seems to be just beyond your reach. I have no doubt we've all been there where, where we had something in our spirit that was just off, even though everything else seemed to be going right. And these times remind us of the truth that drives the message of the Christmas season as well as the meaning and the message of the gospel. Peace is not merely the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. When Henry Wadsworth Longfellow sat at his desk on that Christmas day in 1863 and wrote these words, what happened next was not that the outside world magically changed around him and everything just fell into place. No, what happened was he experienced God's presence in that moment. He experienced what the Apostle Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 4. When he wrote, do not be anxious about anything. I like some other translations because it makes it a little easier to understand because a lot of other translations say, don't worry about anything. Don't, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What happens when we do that? Look at verse seven. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it's about taking all of those things, all of the problems, all the sorrow, and going into the presence of God with Him and saying, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I'm hurting God. And He takes us in His arms. And he says, I've got this. Just be at rest. Be at peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, I love this part, will guard your hearts. Will guard, He will protect you with His peace. When you confront all the troubles uh, uh, in you and in the world around you, and you, you cast all of your cares on Christ, you will experience the peace that passes all, of the, all understanding. And that's the very same peace 
that God promised to people everywhere when the angels announced the birth of His Son. So here we are on this Christmas Eve. Maybe your world resembles in some ways the world Longfellow faced as he wrote his poem. I know in many ways the world around us certainly resembles the turmoil of the 19th century America. Hate is strong and mocks the the song of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That has never changed. I'm sad to have to tell you it never will. Not until Jesus comes again to establish his kingdom. But don't forget, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. He is right here. He is at work, as always, in human history, bringing uh, bringing, uh, his plan into place. He is at work, as always, in your life, in your situation. He sent Jesus into this world not to be a military leader, not to be a political leader, but to be a savior and to bring us peace with God, peace with ourselves and peace with one another. You know what? There may be turmoil around you. There may be turmoil around you, but there need not be turmoil within you. You can know peace now. Even before God's peace is established throughout the world, you can know peace now. You know why? Because peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of God. That's the message of Christmas. He is Emmanuel. God with us. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You can experience the presence of God whenever you want Because God is always near. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And He is as near as the next breath you take, as the next word you speak. And we need to understand, we don't have to ask Him to be with us. I've prayed that so many times in my life till a few years ago, the Lord kind of uh, woke me up and said, why are you asking me to do that? Because I'd pray, Lord, just be with me today. Be with me today. And finally, one day he said, I already told you I would never leave you nor forsake you. And I started changing the way I prayed. And instead of saying, Lord, be with me today, I started praying, Lord, make me aware of your presence today. God is always near. And we don't have to ask him to be with us. We simply have to become aware of his presence because... He's already there. And if He's already there, then we have peace. Because peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of God.